You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. People are always asking me, do you diet? I really don't diet. I eat everything I want, but I've learned to eat the things that are healthful. Weight loss guru Jenny Craig. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. You know the name Jenny Craig, of course. It's a popular weight loss, weight management, nutrition company with hundreds of locations all over the world. It's named, of course, after its founder, Jenny Craig. She and her husband, Sid, established the company in Australia in 1983 and started a U.S. presence in 1985. I met Jenny Craig in 1992 when she was promoting one of her books about dieting and weight loss and weight management. So here now, from 1992... Jenny Craig. Weight loss is only one part of the equation. And we have in the past had this perception of what diet means. It means going on and off of something, the way you get on and off of a vehicle like a bus or a train. Uh, It's really not about that. It's about lifestyle change. And so uh, we look at it as an ongoing process. Uh, We've learned over the years that We have to learn to manage our hair and our teeth and our nails and skin and all of that. But we tend to think of diet as a short-term experience. Let's just do it and get it over with and then on to what we were doing before. Well, we know now that that doesn't work. So uh, I think America has to have a paradigm shift. We have to change our mindset. We have to get away from thinking that diet is something temporary. It really is about lifestyle change, and it's about making intelligent choices. And um, I think that the book helps people first to diagnose where the problem areas are. For instance, some people are overweight because uh, they they simply overeat. Uh, others are overweight because they eat through emotional stress or uh environmental cues. Others are overweight because they don't exercise enough. They may be eating close to the right things, but they're simply not getting enough activity in their lifestyle. So first they have to diagnose what the problem is, and then we tell them how to change it. There are a a number of different reasons for being fat, but Sorry, maybe I shouldn't have said. I was thinking myself as fat. That's why it's okay for me to use that word. It's okay to fat because really it's over fat that we're talking about. True. You see, uh, athletes can be overweight according to the scale, but really they not they're not necessarily over fat. It's only being over fat that we should be concerned with. So it's not just the cosmetic. part of it that we're treating. It really is the health part of it. Regardless, though, the reason why you got that way, do you find that for most people it takes a moment of crisis, that one day when you look in the mirror and you suddenly maybe see for the first time what you really look like after you've stepped out of the shower and you're wondering, do I have a wide view mirror or what is Mm -hmm. this? Or the one time when a kid in the mall points at you and, and says to his mom, look at that fat guy, mom. That certainly can happen. Uh, Sometimes it's a medical scare. You know, sometimes people become symptomatic. They go to their doctors and they say, hey, you've got to do something about this weight. You know, your cholesterol is high and uh, you're a a walking heart attack waiting to happen. So uh, when they get that kind of a scare, many people, that's what it takes. But for the average person, um, 
I think this is true, especially with women. So many women who work, um, they feel, I believe, a certain amount of pressure to keep up with the rest. And of course, you know, it's a very competitive world out there. And so I think women have learned that they have to not only look their best and feel their best and perform their best if they really want to advance in their career. And I think that's motivated a lot of people to want to do something about their weight. And parenthetically, I guess we also teach our daughters to do we have to look they have to look that way when we buy them a Barbie doll. Well, that's true. However, more than that, I think we need to be role models for our children. You know, uh, kids, it, the the psychologists have a difficult time now separating, um, you know, the environment from genetic programming because they're one and the same when you really think about it. Kids grow up eating what their parents eat. We have two generations of people that grew up thinking that uh, fast foods were the normal way of eating. So they're beginning now, that's that's all the baby boomers, they're beginning now to realize the, uh, the health risks that are associated with that kind of high-fat diet. And um, I think that parents underestimate uh, their, the power they have as role models to their children because right now there's 50% more obese adolescents than there were 15 years ago. Now that's going to translate into 50% more obese adults. And uh, if I had my druthers, I would love to have a program where we would educate children at very early ages. And I understand, I've read some recent articles where they're beginning to do that, educating children um, about nutrition, the kind of foods that, uh, you know, picking from the different food groups and why it's so important. I think that's the best thing we can do is to start them early. I know a lot of kids, you'd ask them what the four food groups, Hostess, Snickers, <laughs> Frito. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. But think about why they do that. It's because they haven't been told differently. And so, uh, you know, that's that's what they learn to They grow up thinking this is okay. But the alternative mm-hmm. we give them with, here's the four food groups, broccoli and Brussels sprouts and all sorts of yucky stuff that you have to eat. Well, but there are other things that kids like. I mean, it's not about deprivation and self-denial like our program, for instance, in the Jenny Craig Centers, we have pizza, we have pasta, we have uh, teriyaki steak, you know, stuffed shells. We have chicken plum rose that has dressing. So it's not just what you eat. It's the way it's prepared because you can take a piece of chicken, for instance. If you deep fry it, you come up with a whole different concept than if you broil it, especially if you take the skin off. So it's not just the food itself, it's the way it's prepared and the portion size. And that's probably the most important thing because um, in America, we've, we've learned to believe that more is better. So everywhere you go, I mean, uh, foreigners that come here are just amazed at the portion sizes. When they go into restaurants, you know, it's more food. Usually one plate could feed everybody at the, at the table. You know, if, you, if you've ever been to Europe, you know that in Europe they serve very small portions. In Australia, they serve very small portions. We lived there for two years. And that was one of the things that my husband had to adjust to when we first went to Australia because, you know, here in America, your eyes play such an important role in hunger gratification. We've learned that it takes a certain amount of food to be on the plate to fill you up. 
And as you well know, we're not always equally hungry at every meal. I mean, I'm sure sometimes we're more hungry than at other times. And yet, if you go up to a buffet, you're going to pile that. You don't stop to think, now, what degree of hunger am I experiencing right now? You know the kind of food you always put on that plate, and that's what you're going to heap on it. And what you're and thinking is, I paid twelve ninety nine for that's this. That's right. Get, get my money's worth. <laughs> After this short break, Jenny Craig explains what's wrong with your salad. Now back to my 1992 conversation with Jenny Craig. Have you ever been behind somebody at the grocery store in the salad bar and think, I'm going to eat healthy now? And they start with the lettuce and then they pile on the cucumbers and then the cheese and then the eggs and all of the French dressing and all kinds of I'm healthy. It's a salad. That is so interesting that you should mention that because I have talked about that. I've gone into these places. I won't mention the name, but these places that feature salad bars and heard the conversation walking around. They're usually islands where you walk around and put this stuff on and you hear these people talking saying, oh, I'm dieting and that's why I'm using the salad bar and watch them put a thousand calories of dressing on top of it, literally. And to think of the fat that is on there. So uh, you're right. People need to be educated as to what foods and in what portion sizes they should be eating. Once we have become educated, does that does that make it any easier to see through? Well, you know, this book says all you got to do is count your grams of fat, and this one here says all you have to do is eat vegetables at a certain time of day, and this one here says you have to, you know, stand on your head after every meal for thirty minutes, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. They all have their shtick. Mm-hmm. They all have their gimmick. Yeah, and that's what it is. They're gimmicks and they're quick fixes and their fad diets. That's not what what Jenny Craig is all about. Uh, it, it really, we don't talk about calories. We talk about portion sizes and we, we teach people how to use, for instance, like for the proper amount of meat, you might think of a deck of cards. You know, it's about a half an inch thick and just about the size of a deck of cards. Now, that's easy to relate to instead of thinking about calories. And and we tell tell them the cuts of meat that are low in fat because it's really the fat. You know, uh, meat is a wonderful source of animal protein. So we don't say don't eat it. Of course we do. There are people who are vegetarians. So if, if they are, then we tell them the right kinds of foods that they need to eat in order to provide the protein that they need. But uh, the diet is based on 20% fat, 20% protein, and 60% carbohydrates. And, uh, you know, habits are nothing more than practice behaviors. So if we practice the behaviors that are in our best interest long enough, they become habits. People are always asking me, do you diet? I really don't diet. I eat everything I want. But I've learned to eat the things that are healthful. And uh, when you really analyze it, you know, people in France eat a certain way and people in Italy eat another way. And here in America, we eat a certain way. If the Italians grow up here, they eat like us. If the Italians grow uh, up in France, they eat like the French. You like what you get used to. It's a very simple uh, formula. Do you lose your taste over a period of time for for the heavily salted foods or the real sugary foods? Yes, I find that when you uh, are away from something, you become more sensitive to it. And that is true with salt. I use very little salt in seasoning. So now if I go in a restaurant, what may seem 
normal to someone else seems very salty to me because you do become more sensitive to it. Uh, and the same is true with sugar. Um, things that are sugary taste very, very sweet to me. And I'm sure that everybody else uh, experiences the same. Uh, so therefore, you don't want it. I mean, once you get away from it, it's not something you really want. It doesn't taste as good as it did mm-hmm. when you when you were doing it every day. Now, how do you guard against this this feeling that 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 I have to fight every now and then, where I, I'll be a really good boy for several days in a row, and suddenly once something happens, I, I I wind up maybe out to dinner with somebody that I hadn't planned on going out with, or I wind up some one of the kids brings a piece of cake home from school, and that cake is gone pretty soon, and I thought, oh, I should have eaten that or I go out to dinner you know, and have the big juicy steak it's dripping I feel the cholesterol coursing through my veins and I, oh I shouldn't have eaten that and I feel so bad because I've gone off my diet you've just pinpointed the reason most people fail on diets is because they set unrealistic goals for themselves it's not about self-denial and deprivation it's about the things that you do most of the time uh, when you set yourself up and say I'm not ever going to do this again you're setting yourself up for failure because if it's something you really enjoy, you know, uh, whatever it is, if it's donuts and you really enjoy donuts to say, look, I'm never, ever going to have another donut or I'll never have a piece of cake, that's ridiculous. We are going to do that, but it's not what you do once in a while. It's what you do day in and day out that counts. So what you have to do is say, Here's, here are my guidelines. This is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do the best I can every day to do this. And the days that I don't, I'm not going to have that kind of damaging self-talk to say, I failed once more, I'm a bad person, so now I might as well throw caution to the wind and eat anything and everything. Well, that kind of dialogue just doesn't work. We have to say to ourselves, hey, I I did the wrong, I know that wasn't in my best interest, I wasn't perfect, but so what? I'm going to go on to tomorrow, now I'm going to get right back on the things that I know works for me. You know, what I, you know what I've actually heard some people say? Honestly, I've truthfully heard some people say, I lost 18 pounds in, the last, in these last six months or a year mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm going to go right out and celebrate. I'm going to have a big surf and turf and big chocolate fudge Sunday afterwards. We reward ourselves with food. That's absolutely right. And it, it, it perpetuates the kind of mentality I... I said at the opening is, you know, hey, this is a short-term thing. Boy, I can't wait to get this over with. And once it's over with, on to all those wonderful goodies I used to enjoy. That's the wrong mindset to go on to a weight management program. You have to think of it long-term. I'm ready to make these changes in my life. The things I've been doing so far haven't been working for me. I'm ready to make these changes and I'm going to change them for good. Once they become habit, and that is once we've practiced those behaviors long enough, you do it without even thinking, and you never say to yourself, I, I, I want that, but I can't have it. If you see something and you say, you know, that looks very good to me, and I'm going to eat some of it, and that's it. That's an intelligent decision to eat what you want to eat, but it's not just total disregard for your overall uh, condition of health. I'm just about out of time, but I wanted to ask you, is it absolutely necessary to begin some sort of exercise program? Yes, exercise is crucial, especially after you've lost the weight. To keep that weight off, we need to exercise. Now, it doesn't have to be exercise in the traditional sense of the word. Sweat. It really 
can be activity. If you like to swim, walk, uh, jog, ride a bike, whatever, play tennis, just do it on a scheduled basis. Schedule it into your normal routine so that you do it without fail. Jenny Craig will be 90 in August. Jenny Craig Incorporated now has over 700 worldwide locations. And you can find easy Amazon links to Jenny Craig's books at our website, heardeverything.com. Oh, and while you're at heardeverything.com, don't miss my interviews with two other entrepreneurs whose names became attached to their products. Famous Amos cookie founder, Wally Amos. I love selling cookies. <laughs> I love eating them, making them. I love everything about chocolate chip cookies. There are millions of people that identify me in cookies. I've created a lot of goodwill. That goodwill didn't belong to Famous Amos. It belonged to Wally Amos. And the guy whose college nickname was Kinko, Paul Orfila. So there are customers online making Xerox copies at USC. I figure, well, why aren't they making copies at UCSB? I didn't have to do a lot of analytical studies. <laughs> it was emulating somebody else that was successful. And, of course, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, the architect of the contract with America in the 1990s, the controversial former Speaker of the House, my 2010 interview with Newt Gingrich. You actually have a more left-wing, more secular, more socialist, intellectual political tradition today than you did in 1991. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Bill Thompson.